0: Welcome to episode 58 of the Ask Achieve Show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business.
1: We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing how to address rib flare the 1-3% to improvement rule, and how to dominate the sit-rise test. <laughs> we hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. <laughs> I just wanted to put a little extra
0: flair into that so, one. So yeah, if you thought those, um, those recordings are just kind of like canned recordings, we actually say them each new Lee every single episode yeah
1: <laughs> yeah I know that somebody asked you that today one of the interns asked like oh I thought you always like that you just pre-recorded the intro and we we're like no Jason does a unique burning every single week so she,
0: she was like almost incredulous she was like wait wait you do that every single time <laughs> and Laura's like yeah and I roll my eyes every single time
1: <laughs> I've gotten more and more accepting of it it's it's fine
0: um, so we are doing a little bit of a, well, of a, <laughs> of a beautification process at Achieve. So we're kind of, um, painting the walls, we're painting the bathrooms, we're rearranging, uh, some of the, like the retail area and some of the equipment and just kind of like sprucing things up a little bit. So that's what's happening at the gym. Uh, we haven't really gone through a full total paint job, um, since we opened actually, we've done a lot of touch ups and some like, you know, stuff here and there, but, uh, going through a really big, just
1: beautification. summer
0: beautification.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. We put Jason's on, well, it was so convenient that we decided to do this while I'm technically not allowed to paint. So I was like, it can't really help that much actually. So Jason's on all of the painting and Sarah and our head coach and Arielle, our office manager are beautifying the bathrooms and behind the front desk. Yeah. And yeah. You're, you're doing like, a lot of
0: good taping though. You're taping, taping like, taping that's like probably champ. the toughest part actually.
1: I love to tape actually. <laughs> it's something, something's very like, I like the idea of having to make, Totally straight lines. And, yeah,
0: yeah, and I hate that. So, yeah, per- perfect partnership yet Such a good yet team. Again. Such yet a again. good team.
1: All okay. right. <laughs> so we've been painting a lot, so some of the fumes have maybe gone to Jason's head. But, no. um, all right. Well, we're going to get into this. So today, the first question actually came via email, and uh, they put their first name as Rib Flarer <laughs> with a winky face. <laughs> I don't think that's her actual name. Her email is Brandy, so I'm assuming that's probably her name. Um, so she said, I have excessive rib flare." And it's particularly, particularly worse on my left side. Even with cues to put my ribs down, it seems impossible to get my ribs down without raising my shoulders and head. After realizing my rib flare was hindering my core strength and posture, meaning my ribs are, meaning when my ribs are flared, it seems I'm not properly engaging my core slash transverse abdominis. For the last nine months, from the encouragement of a core strengthening focus program, I've been using a prop such as a yoga bolster, pillow, or bosu ball under my shoulders to enable me to get my ribs down. Um, I especially use these with dead bugs, glute bridges, and even supine stretching and breathing. And I'm just going to fast forward a little bit here. Basically she's asking, um, she doesn't want to use the bolster for, for a long-term solution. It's sort of more of a short-term solution. And she's asking how she can, um, look for a more long-term approach to this correction, um, without having to do anything like going to a chiropractor for, um, like adjustments or anything like that.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, first of all, um, just, Just kind of understanding that rib flare is actually super common and it's one of the the biggest things that we try to get people an awareness of how to control and how to strengthen our core to get out of that sort of extended position. Um, That's one of our primary focuses when our members first um, join. Um, But having said that, literally, I don't know, 99.9% of people that walk through our doors have some level of rib flare that we want to um, take care of, Um, but there's nothing it's not be there's nothing more beyond that like we're not like oh my god that person has rib flare they need to go to a chiropractor and get manipulated and adjusted it's just something that almost everyone has so um something to not uh you want to try to address it but nothing to really be too alarmed about and there's plenty you can do to address it um and it seems like she's doing actually all the right things like using a bolster that's ingenious Um, (laughs) uh we like to do that with our members as well that tend to be in an awkward position when their head's just resting on the floor and we are trying to get them to do some core work. Uh, that We think that's perfect. Um, and then also she, uh, it seems like she's doing all the like the right exercises as well uh, based on her core strengthening program. So really it seems like her rib cage likes to be in this sort of like stuck extended posture, right? Even though right. she's doing generally most of the right things. And this is very common as well. What ends up happening is when, we, when we're first born we end up breathing just very peacefully through our stomachs, our little Buddha bellies, right? And we breathe in naturally through there. But as we get older, we get more stress and life responsibilities hit and we start adulting and all that stuff happens. We start to breathe up towards our chest and our shoulders and our neck muscles. And so we end up not utilizing our diaphragm quite as well. And we end up using more of our accessory muscles. And we end up using more of like just like, just general lung function to breathe. And in order to um, basically bypass using the diaphragm as much, we end up arching our rib cage to make our accessory muscles in an easier position for them to breathe. And so we have to try to break that cycle a little bit. So what we have people do is we have them lay on their backs with their knees up and their feet down, and we have their hands on their rib cage. And what we have them do is breathe in through their nose and try to arch their rib cage and lower back up off the floor as much as possible while still keeping their hips down on the floor. And this really just gives them an understanding of what an extremely extended posture feels like because they're already slightly extended to begin with. They really need even a little bit more to understand what that kind of position is in space. And then from there, what we have them do is exhale with tight lips, almost like you're blowing up a balloon like this. (sighs) And you're blown out for about four, five, six seconds, a lot longer than you would think. And that helps to just drive your rib cage down, drive your lower back down to the floor. And it helps get your diaphragm in a better position to function and then actually assist you with, with your breathing. And so we try to do that for a few cycles just to break the pattern a little bit. And then hopefully over time, if we do that daily or with every workout with our members, that breathing pattern starts to go more towards their stomach instead of their accessory muscles, their chest, shoulders and neck kind of kicking in and hanging on there. And so that's kind of how we break the cycle and how we get people from what feels like a very stuck position to a much more manageable and much more uh, malleable, adaptable position.
1: Yeah. And this is actually something that was sort of just brought up in our staff meeting today, um, actually. So we were talking about um, one of the first things we do from a core training standpoint with most of our new members coming in is a marching drill where we have them on their backs with their hands pushing into the wall, their legs up at 90 degrees, and we have them march their feet, tapping their heel to the floor. And not allowing we'd say don't allow your rib cage to flare or your lower back to arch. Um and from there we typically progress to a dead bug variation, maybe something where you're holding a stability ball between your hands and knees. Um and what was brought up was that we probably need to actually spend more time in these positions, in the start position of these exercises, just breathing, because we're noticing the same thing that even though the Idea of these exercises is to bring awareness to that rib cage flare and to make sure that they're keeping it down. If they're not breathing properly in that position, they're not going to be able to maintain that position during the exercise, and the exercise won't be as effective. Right. So you can't just do dead bugs and and assume that you're going to take care of whatever dysfunctions going yep. on. You actually have to. <laughs> learn to breathe again in different sometimes more challenging positions so originally like jason said just laying on your back with your feet on the floor and your head on the ground or head propped up um but eventually as you want to move forward trying to actually put yourself in a more challenging position and still be able to breathe before you then go into a challenging exercise
0: yeah so we have our members breathe in various positions like on all fours child's pose all the way up to more like kneeling postures, kneeling with their legs totally in line on like a balance beam type of setting where they're really challenged from a stability standpoint and then obviously standing as well. And we try to get them comfortable in all these various different positions because each position has its own unique demands and we wanna make sure that breathing is properly set first before we start to add any sort of complexity with weight and exercise and movement. Um, so, yeah, and then as far as the head position goes, I wouldn't worry too much about it. I would continue to use your bolster, and as you get more and more awareness with the drill I talked about, and just considering all the, the just breathing-based, before-exercise-based approach that Lauren just talked about, um, over time, you're going to be able to slowly lower that bolster more and more until you're going to be at the floor. But no need to rush the process. It's not like a huge cheat or anything. I think that's just, it's just a good idea to do uh, for right now for where you're at. Yeah. Cool. Totally.
1: All right. So we'll move on to question number two. This one is from super Cassin and they said, I love your podcast. Wish I lived closer up in Newburyport. Heck I might make the drive one day to become an official achiever. (laughs) That'd be great. Um, My question is about the one to 3% improvement rule from workout to workout. You can read about it here and they um, linked a Paul check blog And they said, um, I've been trying to find my groove in not too little, not too much in a given workout. Um, keep up the good work and congrats on the baby. (laughs) So Uh, basically they just want to know about our, our opinion on that one to 3% idea. They're trying to figure out how to listen to their body as they program their exercise routine.
0: Okay. Yep. And there's a, I think there's another little side part to it, right? It's super. That's the whole thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Moving on. So uh, the one to 3% rule. So I, you know, there are pros and cons to this. I really like this general idea because it gives people a little bit more of a perspective in terms of, you don't have to get a hundred percent better. Like you don't have to get better, like all the way to your goal or whatever outcome that you want by tomorrow. It's just like, One small step at a time and eventually you get to that place uh, that you want to go, especially with some of our members who kind of um, we give them the program and we show them what exercises to do. And it's we really want them to push forward with a lot of their exercises, whether it's increasing a little bit of reps at a time um, each and every workout or increasing the amount of weight. For their squats um, let's say or for their deadlifts each and every workout because we're trying to spur that progress spur that adaptation so we really like it for someone especially in the first like six to eight months of their training because really that training process in that beginning six to eight months can be really linear so you can pretty much like quote unquote like you hear these mantras like pr every day get a little bit better every day one more rep all these different types of mantras, you can actually actually do that up until the six to eight month mark or so. And then after that point, when you become more of sort of like an intermediate um, in the uh, strength training arena, you're going to have to take a little bit more of a calculated approach with your workouts. And you're going to have to be a little bit better in terms of programming and periodizing your workout. Because otherwise, if we all just Linearly increase, we'd all be benching a thousand pounds and squatting a thousand pounds and deadlifting a thousand pounds, but it just doesn't work that way. So we need to um, kind of like take things from more of a smarter approach, I would say. Once we hit that point, and it's the reason why so many people adopt certain workout programs and have so much success in that first three, four, five, all the way up to eight months or so, or even the first year. And then, and then their body starts to adapt to that process because, again, you can't just progress linearly every single time.
1: Yeah. Um, and the 1% one, one to 3% rule basically, what they're saying is um, I guess it was from an Olympic coach, Charlie Francis. Um, yeah. You heard of him? Mm-hmm. And so he said if you can't cannot improve today's performance in the gym over your last workout by 1% to 3%, you don't belong in the gym. In fact, you're working against yourself. Um, and I would, I would a little bit argue against this. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what you were just getting at is that, that, well, okay. I agree with it in certain ways Mm -hmm. and I, and I disagree with it in other ways. So in one way, I think that, yes, we always want to strive for improvement and, but I think improvement doesn't, isn't necessarily always about adding more weight on the bar. Mm. Um, so in my opinion, yeah, you can improve 1% by being a little bit more mindful of your, um, positioning, your body positioning in a squat, this, this workout, or by, um, taking a little bit more time to recover so that you can hit that next set a little bit harder, like different things like that, that can improve your workout without it being necessarily about the load on the bar. And I don't know, I haven't read the full article, so I don't know if that's, if he means like one to 3%, meaning percentage on the bar or Mm -hmm. percentage percentage of weight, or just like are you getting a little bit better every day?
0: Yeah. Um, You know, like I I would say that quote is a little bit of too much of a overgeneralization. Yeah. Um, But I do like the general thesis, especially when you take a step back and look at it more of a, like from a macro lens. So, you know, when you are more of an intermediate and all the way up to an advanced standpoint, we might look at, okay, this month, over the course of the month, they would get 1% to 3% better. And then we can start to um, make strides in the right direction. Um, you just can't expect someone who is intermediate slash advanced to just linearly progress like that. Every single workout just doesn't really work like that. Yeah. However, maybe throughout the course of an, an Olympian's four-year training cycle, they can improve 3%. Yeah. Right? So, like, it, like it's just the more advanced you get, basically, the more time it takes to Increase at that certain rate and that certain percentage and it's just something to think about and then the other thing is like we work with general population and if someone is traveling or their sleep is not optimal or they just had a baby like they're gonna have bad workouts right like mm-hmm. from time to time and they're yeah. gonna be like oh man i did you know five uh, five assisted pull-ups yesterday and i only did two today like did I get weaker, like, and they, and then you go through this whole like negative spiral of thoughts, like of like how like you weren't successful at the gym. So it, it also kind of puts, places a lot of pressure on someone to continuously improve throughout their entire life cycle. When it just gets so much more, more, more difficult to um, to get those results.
1: Yeah. So now I'm actually kind of thinking about it in a different way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with everything you just said, but I think what might be, and we. Honestly, we should go back and read the whole article so we actually understand what we're talking about. But um, I actually kind of think that what they're saying is, if you don't feel like you can improve in that workout, don't do that workout. I think what what he's saying is, like because I think it's based on like stre- overstressing your body mm-hmm. um, and kind of ex- agreeing with what you're saying is that sometimes like if you're feeling really terrible and you're feeling run down and you're feeling crappy and you can't go into the workout with this feeling of like, I can get a little bit better... Then maybe you should skip the workout as opposed to doing the workout. Yeah, um, that's also a totally valid, mm-hmm. valid thing. So if that's what this is referring to, then I would say we more agree with it than disagree with it. Yeah, you know, but I, I think <laughs> in certain ways,
0: I like because like you know, I would rather have that person who's totally sleep deprived, like actually make it to the gym and do a little bit of something and just like get some movement in that day than um, than not you
1: know
0: yeah you know unless they're like unless it's
1: like really really, really severe yeah. but
0: like if it's going to be like especially having like a newborn like like to try to get into that process of getting back on just like a fitness regimen I think it's so important because that thing like it's not going to change right The the baby at home is going to be crying <laughs> for be a cry long out. time yeah. so Um, in certain respects, I think it is important to push through that sort of fatigue and that sleep deprivation and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: I was talking to one of our members who uh, she had said one time she read something that said, if you're not sleeping eight hours a night, um, you might as well just skip the gym. And when she was (laughs) like, when I read that, I had a three-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. And And she was like, and I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you're basically telling me I can never go to the gym. Like, when am I going to get eight hours of sleep? And so she was like, no, that's really, like, that's really not taking into consideration what like other aspects of people's lives might be going on. And so, yeah. yes, there's a certain point of like you do need – recovery is important and lowering your stress levels is important and all of that. But also, there's going to be times in your life where you are in a more stressed out state. You are in a more sleep-deprived state. And to say don't work out at all uh-huh. is probably not that helpful because a lot of working out for people isn't about like results necessarily. Uh-huh. It's about – having an outlet or going and doing something that feels good or actually reducing their stress a little bit. And so I think that a lot of fitness advice gets put in the perspective of, will this give me the results, quote unquote, that I'm looking for, which is always based on Like when people are giving advice, what your body's going to look like after, right? Mm -hmm, Is this going to help me lose weight? Is this going to help me build muscle? Whatever it is. And sometimes that's just not what everybody's looking for. Yeah, totally. Sometimes people are just looking for a way to release some stress, a way to move and feel good and get some endorphins going and feel a little bit better. Get out of the house, (laughs) whatever it is. So don't like always just understand where people are coming from with their advice. And if it's only about what results you're going to get out of the workout but your reasoning for the workout is just to get some peace of mind and that's what it does (laughs) for you then do it
0: yeah absolutely Um, so we went
1: all over the place with that all over
0: (laughs) just to sum it back up in terms of just like overall training we think over the course of a person's let's say first year strive each and every workout do your best to try to get a little bit better with each and every workout Whether it's sets, repetition, mindfulness, tempo, technique, whatever it might be. And then as you get more and more advanced, you're going to have to look at it from a lens of, okay, maybe every week or month or year, I can strive to get 1% to 3% better. Um, It just doesn't have to be so cut and dry of every workout needs to be 1% to 3% better. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool.
1: Moving all on. All right. <laughs> Sorry about all of that confusion. So it, many tangents. We may, we may go back and read the full article and have a totally different opinion <laughs> again. So maybe stay tuned next week. Maybe we'll actually have more. Um, okay. This last question is from um, which we know now that her name is Chandra. Um, she said, recently found your IG and it's so good. Thank you. Any chance you'd consider one of these for the SIT-RISE test? And she's referring to... Um, well, what she's referring to is a pistol squat, um, some variations for a pistol squat that we posted about, um, and we posted like some ankle mobility drills, a staggered stance squat, feet together, knees together squat, and a single leg squat to a bench in order to help your pistol squat. She was asking, would any of these help the sit-rise test, which is basically when you – we think when you sit cross-legged and then try to stand up without using your hands or, like, letting your knees hit the ground.
0: Right? Yeah, I think there was a some sort of research article. I think the New York Times maybe ha- has covered it. Um, but somehow scientists have linked the ability to do that test to add, like, some outrageous number of years uh, in life-predicted, like <laughs> – predictiveness uh i don't even know how to say that word (laughs) 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 lifespan prediction yeah yeah Yeah, but apparently like it was like five to ten years longer than someone who couldn't do it yeah um
1: um And then it's, I think the conversation's funny. So Jason basically like asked to clarify and then said, are you trying to get better because of the research su- study saying that you'll live longer if you can't do it? And she said, well, that definitely factors into it, but my six foot six husband can do this. And now I'm kind of freaking out because I was always more athletic, but can't do the sit rise <laughs> test with one hand, sort of like a Turkish get up. And I've challenged myself to be able to do this. Um, and so basically she just wants to beat her husband at something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I responded, and I was like, why don't you just give your husband this one thing? Just one thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and she said, yeah, he thinks that's pretty funny, Jason." <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's an interesting thing to wonder, like, why can't somebody do that? And if they can't do it, um, what are some things that could, could help it out? So yeah. we, we actually literally before this podcast, we just sat down on the ground and tried to do it ourselves <laughs> and trying to figure out what what contributes to being able to do it. Yeah,
0: right? it was slightly more difficult for you right now because your center of mass is a little bit distributed have, differently.
1: <laughs> My baby belly got in the way a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say the the two big things that uh, we're looking at there are just hip mobility as a whole, as well as actually just your ankles ability to um like not move forward and back but laterally so inversion and eversion it's called Um, just the mobility in that aspect and so one way you can address your hip mobility is uh, a drill we really like to use is called a seated 90 90 hip switch and what you're going to do is you're going to sit down on the floor with your right knee bent at a 90 degree angle and then your left leg bent back Behind you at also a 90 degree angle. Um, is there a better way to like say that?
1: I don't think so. So, like, you're, yeah, your right leg is, is out in front of you at 90 degrees, left yep. leg is back behind you at 90 degrees. So, you're in two 90 degree angles with your chest kind of pointed forward.
0: Yeah. And so, your right leg in, is in a position of external rotation, your left leg is in a position of internal rotation. And now, your goal here is to ideally, without the use of your hands, but you can use your hands slowly transition so that they're in the opposite position. So now your left leg is forward, right leg is back. Left leg is an external rotation, right leg is an internal rotation.
1: Yeah, and you wanna do that without moving your feet. So your feet stay planted in the same position, so your knees are basically like swinging up and around. Yep. So your torso is going to kind of rotate a little bit, but your feet stay in place. That's the most important part. Your feet stay where they are and your knees go up and around and up and around.
0: Yep. As it goes now, up. once you get to that position, once you transition and switch, you want to hold that for about two, three, even longer. You can go 30 to 45 second holds and just breathe in that position. And then again, very slowly transition to the other direction and breathe and hold. And you can use this as part of a mobility drill before your warm ups. Or you can just use this like daily, like in the morning or at night before you go to bed and just do it more of a long duration type of thing. Cause that drill, the sit rise test really requires a lot of hip flexibility and mobility to kind of get into that optimal position. And then from there, uh, you're, like I said before, your ankle really needs a lot of side to side mobility. Um, one drill that we like to use are called, um, runners use this a lot called gate swings. Uh, basically you wanna be, let's say, two, two to three feet away from a wall, and you want to lean yourself against the wall and support yourself with your hands. So it's like a tall plank, but supported by a wall. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna raise your right knee up towards your chest until it's at about a 90 degree angle, so 90 degrees from your hip, and then also 90 degrees of your knee. And what you're gonna do is you're gonna swing that right knee back and forth, side to side. And your goal is to try to keep your left foot The one that's down on the floor, planted perfectly straight ahead. You don't want it to toe out at all. So you want to make sure that it's perfectly straight. And yes, it does give you a lot of uh, dynamic adductor stretching, inner thigh stretching of the right leg. But also in the down left foot, left ankle, you're getting a lot of side to side mobility benefits as well. Anything along that front in terms of, uh, I mean, I guess you could literally just kind of like, Move your ankle to the side. Back Just kind of like
1: mobilize, yeah. But I like the leg swing because it's dynamic. Um, a it more helps functional. you, yeah. It helps you to stabilize. So I I like those two drills a lot. I think those would both help a lot. Um,
0: I and mean, then maybe like your classic butterfly stretch. Like you can be seated, yep. seated. <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> seated against the wall um, with your butt against the wall and your feet um, touching together with your knees off to the sides. And this is just a good groin hip opener, um, as well that you can just kind of hang out in with good tall posture and just gently press down on your knees and you should feel a really good inner thigh stretch from there. Yeah. Um, But those are probably the three big ones.
1: Yeah. And then I guess I would wrap it up by saying, don't worry about it too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Also, like I know that there's that research study came out and, I'm sure that there was some bias in that research study because yeah. there tends to be. Um, I'm sure there was some validity to it, too. And the validity was probably that, like, it could have been anything. It could have been, can you, like, do a squat? Can you, like, it was just yeah. basically about mobility. Can you get up and down off the floor? Uh-huh. Um, and I don't think that, being like, using a hand to get up and down off the floor versus not is, like, is that different. I wonder if they, like measured people who couldn't get up off the floor at all without assistance or could use one hand like yeah. how how many years that took off or whatever <laughs> yeah but really what i'm saying is keep moving maintain a level of mobility and flexibility and stability throughout your life and i wouldn't worry so much about if you can do a little bit of an arbitrary test that that some researchers put together
0: yeah there's something that like the media loves to just over sensationalize and just over dramatize um uh, just basic like Research materials, and it's like you just go back to that article, it's like, Whoa, that's not even what they were talking about at all. But they <laughs> found one little piece of content that they took totally out of context, and now it's like, you know, now it's almost like fear mongering yeah, kind of thing. You're things.
1: gonna die if you can't yeah. <laughs> do this test, and you're like, Oh my god.
0: So, um, just by the f- I- mere fact that it seems like this person works out regularly and is active and is a healthy person and just has <laughs> it at the forefront of their mind, like. We think you're going to be totally fine.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say, but I, I do validate the like feeling of wanting to beat your husband. because I, I get that.
0: <laughs> Lauren is just mildly competitive. Mildly. Mildly. That's putting it very the, the, lightly. The first time I realized just how competitive Lauren was, she was playing washers against her grandmother. <laughs> and her grandmother was just... Dominating her <laughs> <laughs> And you literally just at the end of the game just stored off, you're like, I I need a moment to myself, like I need to just like regroup my losses here. I was here. so <laughs> upset. I was so
1: upset, I couldn't believe my grandmother was beating me. I can't I can't lose I'm so bad I at mean, losing. Your grandmother's authentic, yeah. It, it was impressive. Good yeah. showing by my grandmother. Yeah. I was so upset. I mean, I used to storm out on family bowling nights if I wasn't winning when I was like seven. This has been a lifelong struggle. I've actually gotten better.
0: You've gotten better. You've gotten better. I have. You recently uh, were at a powerlifting meet and you left before the awards were presented. <laughs> and uh turns out we get a text later from our coach, Sarah, or uh, from someone else saying, uh... That you actually were in first place. <laughs> so there you and go. And I left
1: in the worst mood because I didn't hit my, like, deadlift and squat numbers that I wanted to lift to hit. And I was so mad. And I was just like, we have to go. I want to go. I need food. I was so mad. And then, yeah, I got that text and I was like, wow, I, I kind of suck. And that, was like, <laughs> that was really
0: bad. But, I mean, it's like you, you also need a level of competition to, in order to continue to push forward, 1% to 3% every single day. <laughs> Right? To bring it back full circle. So, all right, all cool.
1: All right. Well, those are all the answers that we have to your burning questions for today. Thank you so much for sending those in. We really appreciate it. If you have more questions for us on anything health, fitness, business, nutrition related, uh, you can send them to us at Achieve fitness Boston on Instagram. You can send us an email at podcast at AchieveFitnessBoston.com. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us an iTunes review, we'd be super, super grateful for that. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.